The stretch. Now the pitch. Swinging and a bouncer in the right center of base up. And Choi's going to score. And the Brewers have the lead. Orlando Arcia. One down, 161 to go. The Brewers pick up the win in San Diego today by a 2-1 score. And the 2018 campaign is officially underway. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us today. Greg Matzik is at Petco Park in San Diego as we continue to talk all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball after they pick up a 12-inning win today. There was a lot of good, a few things that were not so good, and we'll talk about those throughout the course of the program. Also get into the roster crunch, which is going to play itself out over the next week and a half, two weeks, and G-Man Choi coming up with a big hit and scoring the winning run certainly adds to the intrigue on what this roster is going to look like here in um, seven to nine days. Greg Matzik is uh, in San Diego. Of course, he's been hosting Sports Central here for uh, the last while. But, Greg, I guess you never want to make too much of any given game because it's one of 162, but part of opening day is you do make a lot of it. And you look today, at times the offense struggled. They did not get the timely hits you would have liked. Uh, Some individuals struggled. You mentioned that. Uh, Chase Anderson pitched well, but Corey Knable gave it up. uh, And they come up with a clutch hit finally late in the game. And that's kind of the, the narratives of the contest, I guess you could say. Yeah, so would you rather have that 2-1 extra inning rock fight where you battle through a little bit of adversity but you win? Or would you rather have what happened the last three years on opening day and resulting in a Brewer's loss? So, I mean, I'll take the win any time, right? So I, I thought it was an entertaining game. It was moving along pretty quick, and then it got tight. And there were some anxious moments in uh, the later innings. And, you know, you almost thought it was going to end a few different times in this particular contest, Matt. Yeah, how about Jeremy Jeffers working out of a ridiculous jam with the bases loaded? Uh, things complicated a little bit by an error uh, made by Domingo Santana in right field. It kind of forced an intentional walk to load the bases, and he gets exactly what he needs in a double play ball. Hard hit ball to Travis Shaw, comes home. Manny Pena steps inside the, the foul line and makes a nice throw to first base, and boom, boom, you got a double play, and you're out of the inning. So. They had the right play, things happened for them, and they caught a couple of breaks and had a couple go against them. But it's a win in a tough place to play. I mean, this is not a hitter's park, and we know the Brewers are going to be a pretty good offensive team. I was more interested to see some of the new faces in new places and how they would perform. And I would think you'd have to say that you know some of those names passed with flying colors. And Lorenzo Cain getting three hits in the leadoff spot jumps off the play uh, the page. Yeah, let me ask you this because there's some things that you have to see live that even watching on, on TV you don't get a good feel for. That's a big outfield there in San Diego, and in center field you had Lorenzo Cain, and left field you had Christian Yelich. They both made a, a number of plays in the outfield. As you watch them cover ground, does it does it seem like those two guys? kind of make the outfield smaller because of the ground that they have the ability to cover? Yeah, I guess the thing that I watched, Matt, and I was watching this today, I mean, you've got a great view of the entire field here from the press box, and I'm staring right at uh, where we're located. It's first base side up at the club level, so you're kind of staring right at center and left field. I, I try and watch the jump as much as anything. Yeah, I don't look at Lorenzo Cain or Christian Yelitz and say, boy, they, they, they burn you with speed. They can absolutely fly. I don't think they have Carlos Gomez-type speed. But they just have such a great feel, it would appear, as, as to you know where the ball is tracking to. So their jump, I think, is what's really interesting to watch. I mean, they have plenty of speed, don't get me wrong. 
uh, but their range really is fueled by their ability to get a jump and a good read off the bat. And on a bright sunny day in San Diego when the outfield was under that uh, high sun for you know, more than half the game, that's no easy task. You know, watching guys shave balls during the pregame, there's <laughs> nothing easy about it playing a game at Petco during the day. So, yeah, first test, I mean, they're gold glove caliber outfielders for a reason. They're going to save some runs this season, you get the feeling. You almost have to chuckle that that ball found Domingo Santana because the outfield is so much improved now with the the gold glovers of Kane and Yelich. Yet, you know, th- thankfully for Brewers fans, uh, they, they end up winning the game. But there you have Domingo Santana, who is not the defensive outfielder that Lorenzo Kane and Christian Yelich are, and the ball finds him in that moment that you really wanted it not to. Yeah, I don't even know what happened there. Yeah. Uh, he was coming in. I, I know Braun was going out. It was just kind of a, a flare hit down the right field side. But, you know, sometimes you see on balls like that, it's just kind of a, a cue shot. And the ball hits and it spins and it just darts in a different direction and can be tough to corral. I, I didn't see it with that ball. It, I, I don't know that he was battling the sun. I know the sun was, was out in that area. But, I mean, the ball's at, it's at your foot. I, I don't know what happened. He just He just misplayed it. Uh, but that could have been a crucial moment in this game. It, luckily, it was not, but it did force an intentional walk, so it just kind of complicated matters. All of a sudden, you're staring at the bases loaded versus first and third with one out. Yeah, If, if they lose that game, we're probably sitting here getting phone calls saying, get Santana out of the lineup, put Braun back in left field, and there are people saying that for other reasons, but thankfully for <laughs> Domingo Santana, that uh, that ended up not uh, hurting the Brewers. Well, it's still about 45 minutes left in the program, Matt. Plenty of time for those phone calls. That is absolutely true. If you do want to join us on the phone, uh, you can do so on the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620. As I watch this team, and really it's at any point of the year, I kind of have this list of kind of the most compelling narratives at any moment in time and for me right now it's this roster crunch with both g-man Choi and jesus aguilar on the team reportedly dan jennings is going to be joining the team very very soon you have jj hoover who put up ridiculous numbers in spring who got sent to triple uh, a but you got to think that if there's any need for another relief pitcher he would be the first one to make his way up there if jennings gets there does oliver drake still have a job there's so many different things going on and i want to talk about that coming up in just a moment again uh, if you want to join us on the program you can do so by calling or texting into the AccuNet mortgage talk and text line 414-799-1620 that's 414-799-1620 or feel free to uh, drop a tweet my way it's at matt Pauley on air m-a-t-t-p-a-u-l-e-y on air is the way to uh, get at me on twitter we'll take a break and have more in a moment it's brewers weekly on wtmj brewers signed g-man Choi as a free agent of course here it is swinging and a liner to right that's a base hit in the corner it's gonna be an extra base hit at least a double and that's where you'll wind up one of the biggest hits of the game, it comes off the bat of G-Man Choi, who was quite honestly a surprise addition to the roster when it was released late last night. Welcome back into Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. If you do want to join the program, you can do so by calling or texting into the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and text line 414-799-1620, or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. Greg Matzik is uh, with me as well. He's coming our way from Petco Park. 
where the Brewers won earlier today over the Padres by a 2-1 to score. So, Greg, let's kind of set this up. First off, the Brewers go with 11 pitchers when we thought they would go with 13. Uh, after the uh, after some of the injuries here recently, we thought, okay, maybe they would go with 12 at least until they needed a fifth starter. Well, they end up going to the 11 pitchers. That results in both G-Man Choi and Jesus Aguilar making the roster. We know what Aguilar did last year. He obviously has a track record. Choi goes and hits better than 400 in spring. And then today, he comes up with one of the two biggest hits of the game, or at least one of the three biggest hits of the game. We'll go that, or that direction and uh, comes up in, in a big, big way. They've got some decisions to make. I always say, I say this over and over during the course of a baseball season, when you kind of can pr- predict that there's going to be a roster crunch coming up, I always say, you know what, things just tend to work out. But, but Greg, as it sits right now, it's going to be a really interesting decision or series of decisions to be made uh, once they have to start putting some more pitchers onto the 25-man roster. Yeah, and there's a couple things that you know are going to get factored into the decision here. Now, if you were to take money out of the equation, Matt, who would be your first baseman on this roster? Right now, I mean, I would still go with Ryan Braun. Okay, as kind of a lead guy, but... How much confidence do you have in Eric Thames? Right now, I don't. Based off the second half of his season last year, I mean, you get rid of the first two months of his season, he's been an average guy. So I don't have a ton of confidence in Eric Thames. I think he has the. I I was thinking that going into this year, you know, his second full year back in the big leagues, he was kind of on pace to take another step forward, but there's no guarantee that he would take that step forward. So from a guarantee standpoint, uh, if you're looking at those three guys, and I see where you're going with this, so I I shouldn't have answered Braun because you're talking specifically about, you know, Thames and Choi and Aguilar. Of those three guys, I feel like Jesus Aguilar is actually coming off the best season of those guys. I think you're right. And if you, I went through this last night. So Aguilar have, had definitely had his struggles last year. I mean, there were months where he was non-existent. And he played in over 130 games, but had about 200 less at-bats or fewer at-bats than Eric Thames did last year. So Aguilar was a, a, a pop of power off the bench, and he proved to be rather... Uh, you know, adept at that role, and that was pretty impressive to watch. Thames had the great start. He had a strong finish, and I think had about a 284 month, I think it was June, but he cratered. I mean, he had some awful months where he was hitting it around the 170 range. So I, I, I'm a little bit concerned about Eric Thames long term. I look at his body, and I see one of the strongest guys I've ever seen in my life. I also see a guy who is incredibly tightly wound. And it just, it, nothing looks fluid to me with Eric Thames. And look, I'm not picking on the guy, but he had an awful spring. He was wildly inconsistent last year, although his on-base percentage was fairly high, given the amount of strikeouts he had and, you know, some of the months with a low average. I, I don't know, I, I don't have a ton of confidence over there that he can be the guy. And that's why this Ryan Braun experiment is more than just an experiment. I know you've got options with G-Man Choi, and in effect he kind of replaces Garrett Cooper as your top-of-the-pile first-base prospect. And I, I like Jesus Aguilar as a righty, but I, there is a logjam today, but you can't tell me that G-Man Choi hasn't outproduced both Aguilar and Thames, and quite frankly, of the three, Thames is a distant third if you look at what happened here in the month of March. And here's one more thing on Thames, and this is why 
last year, if you're comparing last year and saying, okay, here are the deficiencies that existed on the 2017 Brewers that you're trying to fix on the 2018 Brewers. Runner hitting with runners in scoring position and strikeouts were a major issue last year. And you look at Thames's numbers, and I know advanced metrics people don't like to get into it, where all of a sudden you're breaking things down into you know the the situational statistics. But last year, Eric Thames hit 118 with runners in scoring position with two outs, and he hit just 180 with them in scoring position. Eric Thames drove in runs when he was hitting home runs. Eric Thames was able to get on base when he was leading, you know, when he was batting early in an inning. But you, if you're going to have a power hitting first baseman, Greg, don't you need him to be driving in some runs? Well, I, I would expect a guy with 31 home runs to have more than you know, barely over 60 RBI. So yes, to your point, uh, I don't know that Jesus Aguilar was he was better in the clutch. Uh, in those run scoring opportunities, but I, we went through the numbers uh, last week. Ashton can help us out here. I, I don't think I don't think Jesus Aguilar was much over two hundred, uh, maybe two twenty, last year. It's better than Eric Thames. Don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't say either flourished in that role. I don't know what's going to happen. My gut feeling, Matt, is that as soon as Dan Jennings is signed, G Man Choi goes to AAA. What they have right now at their bullpen, and Council mentioned it earlier today, it's not sustainable. You need more arms. You can get by with it now because you've got an off day on Sunday, and then you start a seven-game homestand. So you buy yourself a little bit of time the way the season starts off, but not a lot of time. The Brewers used a lot of arms today. I mean, only Oliver Drake and Brandon Woodruff were not used. So not everybody's going to be able to come back tomorrow in pitch. You need a nice start from Jolie Chassin, but ultimately you need another arm. And that's where I think Dan Jennings is going to fit in. But more than likely, it leaves G-Man Choi on the outside looking in. Even though he might be, if you're going to do a ranking, 1-25, to 25, you might have G-Man Choi ahead of Oliver Drake. But the numbers dictate they just need a little bit more in that bullpen than they need at first base. And where, where it would get frustrating, I think, from a fan perspective is, let's say Choi starts tomorrow at first base. I think a lot of times with Craig Council, you see a guy who maybe comes up with a big pinch hit and one day get a start the next day. So let's, let's hypothetically say Choi's your starter tomorrow. Maybe he comes up with a couple hits, and then maybe on Saturday he gets another hit in a pinch hitting appearance, and he has three, four, five hits over the course of the first three days. Can you send him down at that point? And the answer is probably yes if it comes down to he's got that one option left, so you keep him in the organization by sending him to AAA, where if you try to uh, send down Aguilar, he's got to be exposed to other teams. But G-Man Choi is already making this a tough decision for the team between what he did in spring and what he did today. Yeah, and I think Aguilar makes it a tough decision based upon what he did last year, not only in spring training, but how he produced at the major league level. And I, I just I have concerns. I really do have concerns about Eric Thames. Just all over the map last year, incredibly exciting in April. I've never seen an April like that from any member of the Milwaukee Brewers. Really did help the team. I thought in September, as guys like Ryan Braun were struggling. So I mean, he's he's got it in him, and he can ride these streaks. But you need more there when he does go into that funk, and he had it last year at a couple of occasions, a couple of months really. Uh, but. They have a lot of talent. They have a lot of options here. But just talking to Craig Council earlier today, it's it's clear that G-Man Choi knows what's going on, and I think his bags it, it's packed. I mean, it's ready to go to AAA whenever he, the the call is made. And as soon as Dan Jennings becomes an official member of this roster, G-Man Choi is going to be on a, a plane to join that AAA club. 
414-799-1620. It's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My name is Matt Pauley. That's Greg Matzik. In San Diego at Petco Park as the Brewers pick up a 2-1, 12-inning win over San Diego earlier today. We'll continue our Brewers discussion next. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Hater has his sign from Pena. The pitch. Got him looking. Hater strikes out the side in the seventh. Tying runs stranded at second base. And we head to the eighth. Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Greg Matzik in San Diego at Petco Park, where the Brewers defeat the Padres 2-1 in 12 innings. San Diego my favorite city in the United States to visit. Greg, did you make it? There was some Twitter activity yesterday. Did you make it over to uh, to Coronado Island or Hotel Del Coronado? This is very I, important. I, I, I did not. I, would, I guess I would have to take a cab to go do it. I, I don't have a rental car here. I mean, if, if you've been to Petco, I, you know it's just it's a, a walker's paradise. Yep. I mean, you, you stay somewhere downtown, right in the Gaslamp District, and you walk everywhere. So the hotel I'm staying at is about a half mile from the park. And look, it's 75 degrees out. I'm going for a walk. I'm enjoying it. So, you know, you're kind of right in the heart of it. Uh, so I did I did not have a car to get to that Coronado place that you were talking about. It looks stunning. I mean, just absolutely stunning. There's a ferry that goes right here. There's a ferry that goes right back and forth. You should have talked to me before. You can walk to the ferry from where you're at, and you could have just taken that over. No, that, well, see, I, I missed out a little yep. bit. I could have. Well, here, I was here early this morning. That's for sure. I. I I got to the stadium before they were allowing media in uh, about 9 o'clock this morning. Uh, yesterday would have been my day to do it, So, but I've enjoyed a couple nice meals here, and uh, all the f- folks in San Diego who I've come across have been exceptionally nice, and why wouldn't you be, man? This is paradise. It's a, it's a fantastic city. All right, let's get back to talking Brewers. Marty is in Sheboygan, has given us a call on the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Hey, Marty, thanks for giving us a call. You're on Brewers Weekly. Hey, guys. Um Greg, I love the question you asked before. If it didn't come down to money, who would be the starting first baseman or if, if everything was equal? And I understand why these teams do it. They feel they want to get something for the money that they paid a guy. But how many times do we see it over and over again? Um, you know, and especially with pitchers, you've given a guy, say, $12, $15 million, and you keep running him out there and keep watching him get shelled, and you think you're going to get something for him. Isn't isn't the bigger thing that the teams need to be worried about is wins and losses? So if it means cutting a guy and letting, I mean, I think we would all probably agree that right now Eric Thames should probably be the odd man out, but because he's making what is it five million or three million? I don't know exactly what it is, but they're going to try and get something for that because they committed to him. But it doesn't necessarily translate to helping the team, which is the ultimate goal not maximizing your, your dollars or your bottom line. Yeah, no, I, I think you bring up a good point. And, and, Matt, if I'm thinking back to last year, the Brewers had committed, I can't remember the exact number, it was you know 6 to $7 million, somewhere in that range, to Neftali Feliz, and ultimately they just decided it's, it ain't working, right? They just let him go. So, in a sense, you kind of pay a guy to go away. It, it doesn't happen a lot in Major League Baseball, but it does happen, and the Brewers are an example. It did happen with them last year. I'm not suggesting Thames they're at that point yet with Thames, but I do think it's interesting the logjam they have. Uh, Neftali Feliz was just it, it, it was just awful last year, and you, you had a guy who was ready to step into that role in Corey Knebel, who was making far less money. But that's the interesting thing about this. You know, Thames is 
it got a five million dollar price tag. Jesus Aguilar has a five hundred thousand ish dollar price tag. They're just they're 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 at different stages of their career, and it, it's always interesting when the guy making just over a half million outperforms the guy who's making five million. Yeah, I don't think they're at a point where they're thinking about optioning Eric Thames off of the roster, but so here's where he's at right now. He's got five million dollars on his contract for this year. Next year he's at six million dollars. If they were to designate him for assignment based off what he's done, you know, the final four months of last season and uh, so far what he did in spring training this year, I don't think anybody is claiming him off waivers where you would just pick up that salary. So then if he still wanted to make that five million dollars, he would have to accept the you know the assignment to AAA if the Brewers wanted to keep him inside of the organization. So there is a way still to keep him in the organization without completely cutting bait. But again, we're going somewhere that's probably not a logical place to go because I think, Greg, you would probably agree that there's no way, at least at any point in the near term, that Eric Thames is not going to be on this 25-man roster. No, that will allow him to get out of his funk. And look, Eric Thames had a rough spring training. Domingo Santana had a rough spring training. Santana had two hits today. Jacob Barnes had a rough spring training. He struck out the side in the 12th inning to help preserve the win. So, of course, you're going to be given a little bit of leash here. Uh, first base is one of those positions where there seems to be a lot of talent, and somebody is going to be on the outside looking in, but it's going to be the guy who's not making much money, who's a little younger and has options. It's not going to be the guy making $5 million who you've committed to, and I don't know what his option situation is, but it's just how it's going to be. But if it persists if he doesn't really break out of that funk at some point you you have to turn the page now the brewers turned the page on jonathan vr a little bit last year not that he was exiled to the bench but he was no longer the leadoff hitter and when he acquired neil walker he wasn't even an everyday anything he was more of bench help so i will see how it all flows here but a 25-man roster you're going to use all 25 and then some maybe double that amount by the time this season ends and you got a long way to go but uh, at some point, you'd like to see everybody break out of that funk if they were in it earlier this month. Between the three, Aguilar, Thames, and Choi, there's one option, and G-Man Choi has it. The other two yeah. do not have any options left. So the only way that you can not expose any of those guys to other organizations and keep them all with the Brewers and also take one off of the 25-man roster would be to send G-Man Choi down. Uh, the... The one low moment in today's game, a blown save for Corey Knable. And we're just talking about the numbers in spring training. And sometimes, sometimes you take stock in numbers in spring training, and sometimes they mean absolutely nothing, like Greg was just saying. Corey Knable from the numbers did not have a very good, uh, not, not a very good spring. Last year he was an all-star. Last year he did a fantastic job closing. So coming off last year, you're not especially worried about what his numbers were in spring, but he does end up uh, blowing the save today. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. If you want to join us, you can do so on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. It's Brewers Weekly. We're back with more in a moment on WTMJ. That's
At that moment, it did not look especially good for the Brewers as Corey Knable was unable to close it out in the bottom of the ninth inning. But when all is said and done, the Brewers do get the win in San Diego. Two to one. It took 12 innings on opening day. Welcome back in. This is Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Greg Matzik is continuing uh, to come our way from Petco Park in San Diego. And if you want to join us, the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line is available at 414 799 I always say when it comes to spring training, you can't just look at the stats as just raw stats. More than anything, I think you look at maybe the final week, final two weeks of stats when all of a sudden a lot of those guys who are going to be in the minors this year, whether it's the pitchers that you're facing as a hitter or whether it's the hitters that you're facing as a pitcher, when those guys start to be sent to minor league camp, those numbers mean a little bit more. If you're somebody that has a job completely locked down and you've got a solid track record in the big leagues, I don't think the matter the numbers matter at all. If you're somebody who's competing for a job, if you're in that battle for those final, you know, spot number 23, 24, 25 on the roster, then the spring training numbers start to matter a little bit. So when Corey Knable goes out during the course of spring, and he throws to a 6.14 ERA, allowing six runs, five earned, and seven and third innings and eight uh, games in spring. I wasn't especially worried about it. This is a guy who was very good last year. This is a guy who was an all-star last year for the Brewers. You never want to make too much of one game. I'll say that over and over. That is the number one mistake anybody makes when paying attention to opening day because opening day gets so much more focus on it than any of the other 161 games during the course of the regular season. But that being said, Knable goes out and gives up a run on a couple hits today. And we've already seen some people saying that they're worried about the closer spot. I'm not in that category yet. I'm just bringing this conversation up. I think Corey Knable is going to be fine. He's going to be the closer. I think his numbers are going to be uh, right in the same neighborhood that they were at last year. But Greg was there in San Diego. Greg, where are you at in all this? Are you at all concerned about the blown save today by Knable, or is it just something that happened? No, I'm not. I don't think this is like a a Derek Turnbow situation or you know one of the other many closers that had one great year with the Brewers and then just fell off the map for whatever reason. Closing is a bit of a high-wire act, and it is a risk-reward act. I mean, it's not like K-Rod worked through every one of his saves cleanly, uh, and, and that's the case. And Corey Knable, his strikeout-to-walk ratio is exactly what he wanted to be for a closer. I mean, he just dominates hitters at times when that curveball is really working. Uh, he just didn't get the job done today, and it was a, a fairly hard-hit ball to right field uh, that ended up plating that tying run. So, frustrating for sure. I know it is. You get down to that situation, you got to put the game away and try and preserve your bullpen, and he couldn't do it. I, I, I hesitate to get too wrapped up in spring training statistics, especially with pitchers, just because I know in talking to some of them that you know some of their days they're working on hitting corners. Some of their days they're just working on fastball command, and it's just it's different. It's just not the same, I don't believe, for pitchers as it is with hitters. So I'm not overly worried. I think he's got the mental makeup to bounce back. I think he proved that last year. Uh, I can't remember what his consecutive save streak was without blowing one last year, but it was remarkable. Uh, and he was in a similar category to guys like Aroldis Chapman. So that's not by accident. It's because he's good. Happened on opening day, so perhaps it gets a little overblown. If it happens after you know five saves in the middle of April, we're probably not as worried about it as he might be today. So 
I'm not worried about it unless a pattern develops. Uh, one time is unfortunate, but I don't think it's the end of the world for Corey Knebel. And you mentioned Neftali Feliz. If you remember last year, he began the season just throwing BBs. He was hitting high 90s consistently. He was locating pitches. And then all of a sudden, as his usage went up, as he was pitching on back-to-back days, that velocity started to drop, and it went in the wrong direction. So if you have a choice of a slow start and amping up into what you're going to be through the year or what Neftali Feliz did last year with a strong start and then slowly petering off, I think just about anybody out there would take the the slow start going into something better. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Neftali Feliz had a little bit of run last year when times got tough, and it ultimately just flamed out. Same with Willie Peralta. He had a little bit of run as he continued to struggle, and the Brewers were patient with him. But at some point, you know, your patience wears thin, and you you need results. And for this Brewers team, look, if they are going to contend – Obviously, things like blown saves have to be limited because I don't believe the margin for error is great with this team. I don't think they're blossoming with all-stars at every corner of the field. Their floor might be higher than most other teams that will be in contention, uh, especially in September. But you have to take care of your opportunities. And and I don't think the San Diego Padres are going to be challenging for a playoff spot. So especially important to win this series. Second base absolutely remains a question. I know you talked about this a bit uh, on Sports Central. I want to touch on it a bit as well coming up in uh, just a moment. Jonathan VR got the start today at second. Uh, he goes 0 for 3 with a couple strikeouts as the consistency that he had a couple years ago just has not yet come back. And again, it's one game into this season. Maybe we're talking about something completely different a week from now, but you can only talk about what you've been given to talk about, and right now we have one game to talk Talk about, and we'll talk about Jonathan VR in just a moment. If you want to join us, you can do so on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. It's 414-799-1620. We'll take a break and have more Brewers Weekly in just a moment on WTMJ. JJ kicks and deals. Ground ball to third. Shaw's got it. Goes home for one. On to first. Double play. Five to two to three. San Diego. Brewers Weekly roll it on here on WTMJ. The Brewers win in 12 innings today. 2-1, to one, the final score. G-Man Choi scores the winning run after he had a base hit. It was Orlando Arcia who drives him in with a hit. And the Brewers have started out the season with a 1-0 record. My name is Matt Pauley. Greg Matzik was at Petco Park today watching the game. He, along with 44,649 folks, he joins us on the program as well. And Greg, you talked about this a fair amount during Sports Central before we came on. I want to bring it up one more time. Uh, Jonathan VR again, one game. He goes 0-3 for 3 today. He has a couple strikeouts. He had a nice enough spring. He ended up hitting uh, 269 over the course of spring. But, again, we've talked about spring training numbers and, and what you put into him. Um, I'll say this about VR. I, I think he is someone that does not play well when there's pressure on. He played so well a couple years ago when really he was playing with house money and there wasn't a lot of expectations. And then last year, you know, he had the slow start after the World Baseball Classic, and I just thought he really started to press. And I, I have to wonder how much he gets into his own head. And it's in my mind right now, and this isn't, I would have said this yesterday before the first game of the season, this has nothing to do with 0 for 3 with two strikeouts. 
I just wonder if mentally and emotionally he's going to be able to come out of it in Milwaukee or if possibly another new uh, a change of pace, whatever you want to say, might be something that's good for him. Because I'm with you. I just, I don't see, we see flashes from him, but my goodness, he just has such a hard time right now putting anything together. Rip your hair out. Yeah. Uh, I think he lacks focus, and I think he lacks discipline. I, I think he doesn't pay attention to time and situation. And, you know, it, sometimes you see him first pitch swing at a ball in a situation where it just doesn't make a lot of sense to do so. Uh, and he might pop up or record it out another way. I see him on the base pass take the bat out of a guy like Ryan Braun's hands with a foolish move on the base pass. And, you know, countless errors in the infield. He's not a disciplined defender. I think he has all the talent in the world, Matt. You don't get to this level without it. And we've seen it on display, but I think he likes focus, and and that's what's so maddening about him. The reason he's on the team is because he had a year that Eric Sogard and Hernan Perez have never had before, and and that is is intriguing, I think, to a guy like David Stearns. If you look at all the guys on this roster, for the most part, everybody has had success somewhere along the line, be it at AAA, be it at the major league level a veteran who may have had a couple of down years but had a really great season maybe three years ago, and can you get that back? That's the kind of player David Stearns looks for, and I think that's why he's drawn to Jonathan Villar, because he had it. It was there, so that's in him. And that lasted for the bulk of a season two years ago. That was not just a hot one-week stretch. I mean, that was a fringe all-star season. So I understand why you give him a little bit of leash, and he gets the start today because there's a lefty on the mound, and an odd arm angle. It just didn't make, didn't make a lot of sense to start Eric Sogard. But, I, you know, how long can the leash be for a guy that struggled so mightily last year? And, again, at times, he was able to carry you to wins. And, and when that Jonathan VR is on, you want that Jonathan VR in the lineup. But I feel like the bad far outweighed the good last year with a player that we were expecting a lot out of and just didn't get a lot out of. I also think deep down he wants to play shortstop, and it still bugs him Maybe. that he's not at shortstop and that it affects him in, in all other ways as well. No, I, You know what? I don't, I don't think Ryan Braun was raising his hand saying, let's do this, let's do this first base thing and volunteering for it. They came to him with the idea, and he, he agreed to it. So uh, if he's sour about a position change, look, man, it's time to put your big boy pants on you know, and, and do what you can to the best of your ability and trying to lock down a job and help your team. But this guy went from being a nine-hitter or a number eight-hitter on opening day two years ago to a week after that being inserted as a leadoff hitter and kind of staying with that role to starting the season last year as a leadoff hitter to working his way down to the number eight spot or seven spot and then ultimately out of the lineup altogether. So it's been a, a dramatic roller coaster ride here for Jonathan VR, but... it's hard to have patience with guys who lack focus and discipline, and I still think he's that kind of player. I don't think he's a selfish player, but I think he lacks focus and discipline. And you mentioned him having that season that an Aaron Perez and an Eric Sogard has never had. There's so much truth to that. I mean, if you go look at the numbers, especially when you're comparing the home runs against the stolen bases, he did something two years ago that really, in the last 30 years of baseball, it's basically him and Ricky Henderson. I mean, that's as good of a season as he had two seasons ago. It is 
it was a truly special year. You just you're having a hard time seeing that again. And that year with the numbers he was putting up, especially with the Brewers not competing at a high level, you could deal with the errors. You could deal with the the mistakes on the bases. And even in that season, there were times I can remember him getting pulled out of games and going and standing next to Craig Council during the course of the game, and they would just be talking, and then he wouldn't be in the lineup for a day or two. That's when he was putting together that great season. He hasn't done it since. No. So, I, you know, you've got options here at second base, and this gets back to what we were talking about in the previous segment. The Brewers' floor is pretty high. You look around the lineup and look around the positions, and they're pretty well covered everywhere. And I think when Steven Vogt gets back, they'll be fine at catcher. You know, Jet Bandy is what Jet Bandy is. He's not a, an all-star by any means. You're going to ride Manny Pena you know, four, maybe five times out of seven days, depending on the off-day situation. But for the most part, you've got guys that can backfill a spot and not really much of a drop-off, and in some cases maybe increase the production. So it's it's more of a matchup deal, I think, at the start of the season for Craig Council. Uh, I don't recall who's pitching tomorrow for the Padres, but if, I think if you see a righty on the hill, you're going to see Eric Sogard at second base. It's, it's riding matchups and ultimately riding a hot hand. And that's how it's going to work at second. But I think in time, you, you, you might end up seeing more of Eric Sogard just on a given day, whether it's at short or second. Then he will, Jonathan VR. We will talk about tomorrow's game just a bit as we wrap up this edition of Brewers Weekly. That is on the way next. Uh, still maybe have time for a call at 414-799-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is Brewers Weekly. We're back with more in a moment on WTMJ. Starting to wrap up this edition of Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. One game down, it is a Brewers winner. They defeat San Diego in 12 innings by a 2-1 to score. My name is Matt Pauley. Greg Matzik is in San Diego at Petco Park uh, joining us on the program as well. One more question for you, Greg, before, uh, before we get out of here. Today was the first regular season game where you had the limited mound visits. Did you feel like that impacted the game at all as you watched it? Uh, I, I didn't. I felt like the pitching staffs uh, kept the game moving at, at quite a pace. Uh, I, I don't think anyone was concerned about pace of play today. I definitely slowed down once he got to the extra innings or you know, close to that point. But uh, I think each pitching change that I saw resulted in a or mound visit I saw resulted in a pitching change. So I didn't come into play. I, it might. It might not. I think it's one of a handful of things Major League Baseball is looking to do to shave. A few minutes here, a few minutes there off the bottom line. Uh, we did joke in the press box a little bit once he got to extra innings, especially once he got to the 12. It was like, hey, why not just put a guy in second base to start the inning? Let's, let's adopt the minor league rule. Let's get it going here at the major league level. I'm glad they did not do that. Uh, Jalice Chassin gets the start tomorrow. The That's the pitcher they went out and got in the offseason. I actually broadcast a lot of his minor league games when he was coming up in the Rockies system, and I was doing triple-A ball uh, in the Colorado Rockies. Uh, he's a guy who put up pretty good numbers with the Padres. I don't think there's any reason not to expect him to come out and have a fair amount of success with the Brewers. No, 13-win pitcher a year ago, and kind of an unknown here to Brewers fans, unless you saw him pitch for the Padres or Rockies earlier in his career. I was most impressed with what he did pitching in Colorado, to be perfectly honest, Matt. That was just a few years ago. He put up great numbers in a hitter-friendly ballpark and hitter-friendly environment at Coors Field. So he becomes a really key figure, I think, in this Brewers rotation. Look, they all are here, but he's one of those somewhat unknown quantities to Brewers fans, even though he's a bit of a, a veteran lefty. So you've got an option here with 
uh, or an opportunity to win the series in Game 2. The Padres will counter with Joey Lucchese. He's a, a lefty tomorrow, so we'll see what that does to the lineup. But an opportunity to win the series right off the bat, you can't beat it, right? You had a, you know, a trio of losses to start the season the last few years. Great to get a win today, and if you can couple that up by winning the series, you bring a little momentum back to Miller Park. Greg, safe travels back. Thanks for uh, sticking around for an extra hour here uh, on the program. Sounds good, Matt. It's been a lot of fun. There's uh, Greg Matzik from Petco Park. The Brewers get the win today by a 2-1 score. Game two of the series coming up tomorrow. I'll talk to you after with Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ.